This is the St. Peter and Volo podcast, and I'm Father Nathan Caswell. And with me today is Justin Smith. Greetings. <laughs> Happy day of twos. <laughs> what day is it? I don't even know what day it is anymore. It's Tuesday, it's, absolutely, yes. It's a blur. It's Tuesday, the last day of March. Let's begin with the martyrology. A reading from the martyrology for the 31st day of March. At Dekua in Palestine, the holy prophet Amos, whom the priest Amasius frequently had scourged. Hoseas, that priest's son, pierced his head at the temples with an iron spike. Being carried half-dead to his own country, he died there and was buried with his family. In Persia, during the reign of King Isdijerdes, the deacon St. Benjamin, because he would not stop preaching the word of God, he had a sharp reed forced under his nails, a thorny stake driven through his body, and thus completed his martyrdom. In Africa, the holy martyrs Theodulus, Henesius, Felix, Cornelia, and their companions. At Rome, the virgin Saint Balbina, daughter of the blessed martyr Quirinus. She was baptized by Pope Alexander, she chose Christ as her spouse in her virginity. After overcoming the world, she was buried at her father's side on the Appian Way. And in other places, many other holy martyrs, confessors, and virgins. Thanks be to God. Right, Justin, Smith, parishioner of St. Peter's in Volo. And uh, how long have you been coming to St. Peter in Volo? Uh, approximately three kids worth. <laughs> right. right, three kids worth. Uh -huh. Three kids worth, so. Were those three kids baptized here? They were. The last one the I. Last, yeah. Did I baptize just the last one or you did. the one before? Father Jim did Teresa, who's five, and then Deacon Trenton at the time did Mariana, and you did Zaley. Zaley, uh, named after the mother of St. Therese. The big flower. <laughs> right. And uh, Zeli actually means flower in Hebrew. Like like the word Azalea, which, of course, you know, because you're her father. And you've thought this through. Right. Yes. Much research was done. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's great. And she was the last to be baptized before... Uh, before the great, whatever you call it, shutdown. Um, and uh, so that was kind of, it felt pretty early church to be baptizing uh, in a short notice and getting it done. Yeah. And it was nice to be in church um, doing something sacramental. Yeah. And it was uh, an odd feeling of, of being, of having to leave, not knowing when you could come back. Right. You had to like take the child and flee to Egypt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or Woodman's. Or <laughs> flee to Woodman's yeah. to beat the rush. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of like Egypt. <laughs> There's the leeks and the onions and the... Right. Yeah. So your family, how, how big is your family? How many kids do you have? <laughs> well, right now, everywhere we go, we are a CDC violation. <laughs> <laughs> I 
have, uh, <laughs> it's more than ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have eight. We have eight kids. We're ten. Eight on earth and four babies in heaven that okay. never saw the light of day. Okay. No more chickens, and I'm waiting on my bees. <laughs> and how many bees do you have coming? Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Wow. Just yeah, just uh, two packages this year. I'm downsizing. Got a new location, new spot. It's a new adventure. I'll name them all. New names. All Saint names or all uh, all all Newman, all John Cardinal Newman, <laughs> yeah. Saint. Yeah, I was I was just thinking of naming all my bees Susan this year, um, after Saint Susanna. And uh, Susan B. Anthony. Uh, <laughs> Susan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be good susan b that's perfect i'll name mine Susie b justin bieber's <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so you, yeah so you've got family and uh you homeschool yes uh-huh. now the world is now the world, the world is has joined in and right how does that make you feel <laughs> uh, ahead of the curve that we're trying to flatten <laughs> <laughs> do you think we've succeeded in flattening the curve or what's your opinion i don't usually talk about the virus at all on these and i because everyone talks about it but right i would like to hear your opinion on this have we flattened the curve and then this will probably go viral <laughs> um, <laughs> i think i I, I don't know. I think it's a lot of uh hooey. I'm a big fan <laughs> of of uh just getting something and getting over it. I mean, how are you going to build up an immunity to anything, to a virus if uh you don't deal with it? Right. It's kind of my take on it. Let's get it. Like in Haiti, I had a Yeah, tell yeah, you go to Haiti, uh you do these mission trips to Haiti. Correct. Every year. Right? Right. And those guys get all the trendy illnesses. And there was a lady who had gone last year, and she says, I feel bad. Haiti's gotten this. And I said, yeah, but in Haiti, I said, I'm not trying to make light of it, but in Haiti, I said, they get something, and it rips through everywhere, and then they get it, and they're done with it. And then they're on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And so when cholera ripped through there, it, it ripped through like a wildfire, and and then they were done with it. And they had some other mosquito illness, and... You know, I don't think it's going to go away if you're not going to build up an immunity to it if you don't get it. Mm-hmm. But that, some people aren't surviving it, which is, you know, that's a real thing. And then they're trying to some, keep it within the capacity of the healthcare system seems to make sense to me. But people die from everything. I mean, people die from the flu. and Right. Many people if die from the flu every year. If your system is already compromised... Um, I'm not wishing. You know, no, certainly, yeah. certainly you're not. I guess I would talk bigger if I just got it. <laughs> just give it to me, and then I'll babble on about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the I think everything is kind of I think it's a big overreaction. I mean, you're shutting down a lot of stuff, and you're taking out a lot of people's livelihoods, and mm-hmm. um, you know, let's have the big wave. Let's get it, knock it out, be done. Sure, it's my thought. Your thought. Yeah. You're you're entitled to your thoughts. Correct. 
Don't necessarily now. have to express them. <laughs> for now, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely a reasonable opinion uh, that's out there. But my my idea is I don't know. Uh, I could read all kinds of news and try to figure out what the best thing to do. But that's someone else's job. So I'm going to do my job, which is currently uh, just about only podcasting. <laughs> The no, I, is, I offer, you know, I offer mass. The and, news and is depressing. Pretty... I mean, you, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom even before this in watching the news. And it's like one of the like Exodus 90 perks mm-hmm. doing the Exodus 90 program, not watching, you know, cutting down or cutting out that internet and cutting out that news. It's like, wow, the world looks pretty good from here. And yeah, I'm. Looking out your I can back find door. yeah, I can find other stuff. Do do do. I can find <laughs> other stuff to worry about. I don't I don't sure. need the news freaking me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you are doing Exodus ninety. Poorly, yes. Um, poorly, <laughs> yes. Um yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh but you're doing it in some capacity, in some way. And uh you were the one uh who who brought it to St. Peter's? You were the outbreak monkey <laughs> for Exodus ninety. We're still having fun, and you're still the one. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we've done, we've gone through it three times now. Uh, once last year, right, it was the first time at in the spring, and then some people did it before Christmas, which I opted out um, wisely. <laughs> And I'm also doing it poorly now, um, but I'm st- I'm still doing it. And I still make efforts. It still had an impact on my life, even though I I recognize I haven't done all the things that I set out to do. But that's just like every Lent. Yeah. I think that the constant experience of humanity is not doing all the things that we that we want to do. Uh, and then God gives us something else to do um, that He wants us to do. So yeah. So you have a large family, you, uh, you homeschool, you do Exodus 90 uh, regularly, and uh, you're an electrician. Are you still electricianing? Uh, I'm still. Are you an essential service? I am essential, and I, am, uh, I haven't been to work since uh, the baby was born, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to, so I got to work that pretty decent about that. And they're trying to work skeleton crews, so um, I still have a job, and I still get paid, and my kids can still eat. Great. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to feed them, because it's the law, so. (laughs) (laughs) And you, sir, are a law-abiding citizen. (laughs) Right. If there ever was one. Right. So that uh, brings me to my next question. Were you ever not a law-abiding citizen? (laughs) No, uh, you, you had a you've had a conversion moment in your life, which I've heard the story a little bit, and I was wondering if you'd share that uh, for us here for the edification of all, or at least some. Gladly. And it's funny because I uh, I have a baby that doesn't like to settle in the daytime, and so I she loves the car, so I'll throw her in the car and I'll take her for a ride. And just drive for like two hours because then she's got to eat after two hours. And it's amazing that when you're 
driving and you don't have anywhere to be, how less stressful it is. And you don't really care about red lights. And right now, there's not that many people out. And you're just driving to drive. And I drove up to where I used to live when I was 16 in Paddock Lake, Wisconsin. And I was driving down the old roads that I used to walk down in the old um, places I used to hang out. And I got chills. Because it was like, this is... Like, I was so far from God when I lived here. It was one of those moments, like, wow, how far away. Like, I was running full bore the other direction from God at that point in my life. Um, and so I used to live the rock and roll lifestyle, but I couldn't play any instruments. But I did all the rock star stuff. And uh, one day my mom invites me on a trip and she says, Hey, you want to go to Medjugorje? And I said, where's that? And she said, it's in Bosnia. And this was in <laughs> 1999. And I said, cool. Isn't there a war going on there? And she said, no, it's over. And, uh, there's these six kids and they've had apparitions of the Virgin Mary. And I said, well, that's all hokey and stuff, but I'd like to go to Bosnia. Like, isn't that Europe? I'm like, I want to go to Europe and meet European women and have European drinks. And yeah, I'll go. And it was a free trip. And she got all excited. And so I went, not knowing what I was uh, getting into. And uh, so we're on the bus from the airport. And we're... Uh, waiting for another flight to come in for New York. And I'm just giving everybody on this bus a hard time. They're like, I'm the antagonist of this trip. And they're talking about all kinds of stuff. And they're like, you're going to, you know, you don't want that. You don't want to listen to that kind of music. You're going to go to hell. I'm like, well, that's where all the good music is. You know, I was that guy on, on that trip. And uh, to the point where they didn't even want to talk to me anymore. And then we get everybody on this bus and we go to this church and this priest is talking about the kids came to him with the apparitions. He ended up getting arrested and beaten by the communists and he's telling his story. This is in, in Medjugorje? Yep, in Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. And this Father Yozo and he's sharing the experience and I'm standing in the back of this church like I want to be on vacation. I don't want to be in a church with all you statue worshipers and like give me, I got stuff to do. Like, I got girls to meet, and I got drinks to have. And um, and then he invited everybody up to get prayed over, and he invited other priests to come help him. And I'm watching people elbow and shove each other to get up front. And I'm like, wow, this is really hokey. This is like TV stuff. You know, People are falling down, and I'm like, "There's this is a scam. Like, there's wires up their sleeves, or there's something. And this one priest walks up to me and I'm standing in the back and he kind of motions for me to, Hey, you want to get prayed over? And I'm like, I didn't really want to. I got my arms crossed and, uh, like, all right, I'll call you out on it. And he, so I come up to him and he lays his hands and he's praying over me and then he's done. And my mom comes running back. She said, you did it. You did it. You did it. And I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, but I didn't fall down like those people. She says, you go to that guy up there. Go to that priest. 
And I said, you can do this more than once. And she says, you can do it all day. Please just go do it. (laughs) (laughs) Something. Yeah. Some. (laughs) That's so many mothers. So many mothers. Oh, Lord, please just make my child do something good. (laughs) And uh, that was my mother. (laughs) And so I went up to that other priest and there was four people in front of me and all four of them fell over. And I'm like, wow. Like, I don't want to fall over. Like, I'm going to ruin my vacation. I'm going to bump my head, and it's all going to be ruined, and forget it. I'm like, but I'll do this because I told my mom I would. And uh, he gets up, and he's and he lays his hands on my head, and he's got something in his hands, and he prays over me. And I didn't fall over, but I heard a voice in my head, clear as day, that said, what are you fighting me for? Like, what are you so angry about? And it was like, for the first time in 14 years, I didn't have an answer. Like, yeah, what am I so angry about? Like, why am I fighting? And started praying in our father, which I hadn't done in 14 years. And uh, I got flooded, like head to toe. Like, I'm not going to fall. You know, there's that ego. I'm still trying to control the situation. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall. And I didn't fall. But I couldn't talk for like two hours, which freaked people out more than anything. <laughs> my sisters, <laughs> my sisters said to this priest, "What did you do to him? He's never this quiet. Like he never shuts up for this long." <laughs> and I was just so flooded with the Holy Spirit, I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything except say, "Wow!" Like, "Wow!" You know, just in my head, it's like, "Wow! Wow!" I've been so wrong. There's no scientific explanation for this. You know, everything. Um, And so now I'm different on that bus. And those people are like, what happened to the, the antagonist? And we go and somebody says, well, maybe you should try going to confession if you haven't been to confession in a long time. So I did. Went to confession for first time in 14 years. And I walk in, and there was the first priest in the confessional. I was the first one that prayed over me. I'm like, dude, we got to talk. Like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll just give you a general confession and general absolution. And uh, he's like, if stuff comes up, he's like, keep coming back to the confessional and bring it up. And then that night, I'm like, I got to talk to God. And where does everybody go to talk to God? They go up the mountain. So there's this big, huge cross mountain. And I go up there at night, and it's dark, and I don't have a flashlight. And they didn't have cell phones then, like they do now. And uh, and I go walking up this mountain. I'm like, man, it's really dark, you know. And I can see that cross, but I I lost the path. And uh, like, I don't know if I can do it. This would be cool if there was like lights on the way. And I make it through these bushes, and there's Stations of the Cross that's lit up. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I'm making my way up and following the stations. And I get to the top, and I'm just laying up in the mountain, and I'm talking to the God of the universe. And you're on top of the mountain. The stars are, like, in your hands. And that peaceful, easy feeling. Just like, <laughs> and, I, and I laid back there, and I'm like, God, we got to talk. Because I've been wrong. And, uh, and I stayed up there for a while. And then I walked down. And I'm at breakfast the next day, and the people were like, hey, where did you go last night? I said, hey, I went up to the mountain, talked to God. 
said, it was really cool. The stations were all lit up. I'm like, it guided my path. I got all the way up there and talked to God all night. He threw in some shooting stars. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. And everybody stopped eating and they're staring at me. And he said, um, what did you say? So I repeated the story and they said, there's no lights on the mountain. There's no electricity on the mountain. There's no, like that doesn't happen. Like, well, I don't know what to tell you. And the next, they're like, all right, well, you got to go talk to a priest and you got to go. So I went to somewhere else. There's a priest from Canada who was the second one who prayed over me. And uh, I said, dude, you and I got to talk. And he kind of set me straight. I went to confession. I went to mass. I had like adoration. It was amazing. It was incredible. I could have floated home. I didn't need to take a plane. Um, But I got home. And I didn't really change my life. I still tried living mm-hmm. both lives together, and that didn't work. So it's like I brought home some Bosnian moonshine, and I had some vodka I picked up in Germany, and there was all kinds of stuff when I got home. My roommates had a big party, and uh, I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And it it doesn't work. It was like that battle of... Um, you know, trying to pray a rosary in this hand and doing things I shouldn't be doing with this hand or things like that. And that, uh, so that old life took over and it was like doubling down on all the bad things that I did before. Mm-hmm. It was like trying to bury that feeling that, that I had in Magigori. And like, I was good friends with the devil and he wanted to keep that relationship going. And then I ended up in a Cook County jail. And at the time I had 21 tickets in three different counties. Well, that's impressive. For <laughs> for uh, a variety of things. And uh, I said, God, if you get me out of this jail cell, I'm done. I'll quit. I'll quit everything. I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'm done. And five minutes later, the guard came and let me out. She's like, hey, sign this thing. You can go. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then you turned to God and you're like, never mind. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm yeah. good. I'm Should good. should have waited five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so impatient. <laughs> so, um, and they did. And then I went down to, I got out of there and nobody wanted anything to do with me. And I was like, time to straighten my life out and get my head in. And I hopped on a plane and I went to Florida and hung out for about four or five months and got my head on and um, came back here because I had all the legal stuff to deal with and I didn't know what to do because I couldn't go to my old playgrounds and I couldn't hang out with my old playmates. And um, so my sister brought me to church. And then they had this adoration chapel and I would go there and I would spend like a large chunk of the evening in the adoration chapel. And then I volunteered for whatever I could do at church because I needed something to do. And I met a lot of good people. And then I volunteered for working with kids because I love working with kids because I used to be one and (laughs) (laughs) sometimes still act like one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
and they had a cute youth minister, and then that was a a double bonus. But I wasn't sure. Like I was discerning. You know, I talked to the priest about how do you know if you're to be a priest? How do you know if, you know what your vocation, what you're called to? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you got to pray and you got to research, and um, and I did. And the youth minister wanted nothing to do with me because she thought I was weird, and. So I just kind of went on, you know, I enjoyed sharing the experiences with the kids, help them make better decisions. Here's where I screwed up. And then one day the youth minister uh, and I started dating. And I was planning on going back to Florida, but God had other plans. And so now here I am with all my own youth to minister to. Yeah. Um, and helping so you, you married her, right? Yeah, I married her. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was there. We were there together. <laughs> yeah. And uh now it's like I still part of that it's in Matthew somewhere that what you receive as a gift, you must also give as a gift. And that gift of this life and this faith, um, you know, I have to help people who were where I was. That It's like one of the paradoxes of our faith that you can only keep what you have by giving it away. Yeah, sure, sure. St. Paul says, um, with the consolations with which we have been consoled, we are able to console others. So because you have received that healing in your life um, from where you were, now you and i've seen i've seen it i've seen the way that you uh you talk to people uh especially people who other people wouldn't you know wouldn't spend a lot of time with but you're like no i i i identify with this too which is why i see it in you maybe that i was there and i know where that person is and so i so it's not they're not a stranger that's just me, and I have to. I have something to give them. Yeah. The gift that we've been given, we are able to give. So, yeah, no, that that's it's incredible the the work that God has done in your life, that you have received, that you've struggled through, and now you find ways to give it to others. What got you started going to Haiti? Uh, that was a the priest had offered a. At the end of Mass one day, he made an announcement and said, hey, we're putting together a trip if anybody wants to go. Um, So there was 12 of us that showed up. And then the guy who was running the project in Haiti said, good, we need an electrician. And this was like a February trip. And he came to me at the end of the trip and said, hey, there's another trip coming in August, and I would like you to come, like, We'll find somebody to sponsor you and wiring up a school that would, they would take children out of the like worst parts of Haiti and, and give them an opportunity for an education. And they would live there during the week and they would feed them and the kids would take care of the school. So he asked me to come back and I did. And then one of the guys on both of those trips started another school and he asked me to come down and wire up that one. 
It's, it's like, get a trade, kids, because it'll take you all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I went down and wired that one, and then that guy asked me to join the board, and I did. And then a couple of years later, he died, and they asked me to be president. So I was the president for a while. And just the beauty. I love that country. I love those people. And it's like the first time you go down, you get hooked on, wow, you can totally, you know, I think I'm going to go down and help these people and I'm going to change this country. And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm an electrician, so I already have that ego. I'm like, this, <laughs> we're going to go and light this place up. And, uh, and I'm the one they've been waiting for. And, and so, and then you, uh-huh. that flight home is, those people gave me more than I could ever give them and their spirituality and their joy is contagious. And, uh, so the second time I went down, I'm like, I just love these people. You know, they're a strong people and they have a, uh, they walk like three hours to go to mass and they put on their best clothes and they're come in and they sit in like benches with no backs, elbow to elbow, just crammed in there, and they're singing at the top of their lungs, and their mass is like two hours. And I felt bad because I don't, I didn't speak the language, and I still really butcher it now. But they, uh, I was falling asleep during the homily at mass, and I felt really bad until I looked up and saw that all the deacons and everybody else was falling asleep. <laughs> like, cool, it's not just me. But then these, then they have a. A feast. You smell, all of a sudden you start to smell food and then they have this feast after mass because all these people have to go walk like two or three hours back to their homes. And that's their day. Like they, this is God's day. And that's awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I, I mentioned on the podcast a couple of days ago, um, the people from St. Peter's uh, from Volo back when it was called Forksville used to go to St. John and Johnsburg for mass every Sunday. And that was their day to go to Johnsburg um, and then go to Mass, come back. And then, so that was like, we used to live like that even here. Um, and uh, now nobody goes to Mass. <laughs> that now, anyway. Every <laughs> <laughs> people go you to Mass. Go. And people, you go for us. People find it too convenient to go to, to Mass, so they drive 45 minutes to St. Peter's. <laughs> Uh, it's a destination church it's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's right yeah it's it's i don't know do you, do you think people come from the mountain or the cotton fields was, the <laughs> there's a shortcut not a lot of people know about through the mountain through the mountain over the river through the woods yeah is that that's how you get here that was great. That was wonderful. Wonderful to hear your a story of your, how God is working in your life, um, to 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 be the family man that you are, and to raise all your children uh, as you are doing in the midst of doing, and uh, you and your wife doing. You know she's involved too in the right. whole. She does. She, she does most of the work. 
like my biggest prayer is for them to get her common sense. Please, (laughs) please get your mother's common sense. Um, but it, you know, I got a lot of people, or I've talked to a lot of people running around living in fear and some people that are just always stuck on the news, even before all this craziness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's kind of like I've been through, I mean, everybody's got a story mm-hmm. and I've been through a lot and I wouldn't want to do it again, but it gives you this faith that, you know, God can walk you through anything if you let him and panicking and, and fear never got me through anything. Mm-hmm. Anxiety doesn't really work for me. It just, <laughs> which drives the wife nuts, but <laughs> she's like, you never worry about anything. Like, well, I do, but just it's not what I focus on. You know, I think about those people in Haiti a lot. And it's like, you know, they just want to feed their kids or they just want, you know, what any parent wants. But what do they do? They do what's in front of them. It's like, all right, today I got to, I got to make five trips to the spring for five gallon buckets of water that they carry on their head, which is really heavy. Or today I got to go to the market and I leave my kids back and, you know, I met one little girl who was six and she was explaining to me how she would start the fire to make food for her four-year-old brother. I'm like, man, my kids are like, I don't let my 12-year-old touch the stove. <laughs> <laughs> Six-year-old starting the fire. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's that stuff. It's like you do, what do we do? We do got to do what's in front of us and mm-hmm. what's God's will. It's usually what's on my plate. What do I got to do today? Right. Right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of the parish. Thanks for uh, bringing your children here and your wife and your. <laughs> thanks for being here so often yourself. Uh, you're also in the scola, the the uh, the choir that sings Gregorian chant. Uh, and uh, at the eleven thirty mass, right? Uh, and uh, that's really it's a great it's a great blessing to the parish to have a scola to be able to have Gregorian chant week after week. Um, and we'll be back there again someday, uh, and we'll be learning those learning those chants, singing the perennial music of the church. Um, so that's yeah, that's thanks Take for doing that. Take a chance on me. That's right. That's right. I was actually doing the uh, live stream for Cantus at twelve thirty, and mm-hmm. then I'll pull up the chants from the Corpus Christi watershed. Oh, and sing and, with and, the and follow along. Oh, that's excellent. And and uh, Andrew, my thirteen year old, was sitting with me, and he says, "You know." It's not the same. I said, no, it's not the same, but we do what we got to do. He's like, yeah, but I just really want to be there. And I said, so does everybody, buddy. So so does everybody. (laughs) You're not alone. Right. So we do what we can do. Well, thank you for being here. And thanks for having me. And uh, let's end with the prayer. for having you. Sure. I should. I should more often. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. With your spirit. So uh, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.